0: I want to read to you from the, the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil doer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. (coughs) Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Is perfect. Gee, Jesus, thanks a lot for those things. Yeah, I mean, just when I thought I had some stuff figured out, then you start turning the tables on me. Just when I sort of, you know, get comfortable in my life, you throw these things at me, and then you say, "Be perfect." Well, I mean, the world is telling me that that's an impossibility. Right. I mean, just turn on the turn on um, any commercial for anything and you'll find out very soon that you are not perfect. You are not perfectly shaped or sized. You don't have the perfect car or the perfect golf club or the perfect whatever. Right. You need a nip and a tuck. You need to get in the gym. You know, whatever it is, there's no way you'll ever be perfect. And then conversely, on the other side of that, in our minds, we have, most of us have this thing called perfectionism going on. We hold ourselves back oftentimes because we think something needs to be perfect before we ship it, you know, before we do it. That somehow we've, we, we've got to make it just so before it can, it can get out there into the world. Because we're afraid that people will criticize it if it's not just just right. But what we know, and what all the gurus tell us, is that's just another way of procrastinating. That's another way of sabotaging ourselves, and of not really living into who we are, because it'll never be perfect. And even if it is, have you ever done anything, and you thought, man, that was good. That was really good. And then five seconds later, you go, and then I could have done this, and I could have done this, and I could have done this. We've got some runners in here this morning. Have you ever run a really great race? I mean, a really good one where you, just, you felt good, everything seemed to go pretty well. And then you get to the end, and you're thinking about it later, and, you thought, and then you think back, and you go, oh, well, I could, have, I could have gone a little faster here. Maybe I shouldn't have stopped and got that Gatorade. You know, Maybe I should have taken an extra energy gel. You know, whatever it is, I mean, there's always, our minds are always trying to improve upon things, and so if if we're trying to attain some level of perfection, we're never going to be there, in terms of those things. And so these sayings are beautiful, they get quoted all the time, but they're difficult, I think, to understand and to, and to, and to sort of walk into. They really... Um, in In this little section here where Jesus is is sort of turning turning things inside out and upside down in, in terms of the Sermon on the Mount, and you know I've told you that if you want to if you want to um, if, if you want to introduce somebody to to the content of who Jesus is and what his teachings are about, take them to the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, take them to the Sermon on the Mount, let them read it and let them just listen to to sort of the core of what Jesus is teaching um, but they're they're beautiful, they're difficult, and they really have, they, they really have, um, they really sing the music of the Old Testament, too. Nate read from Leviticus, and if you remember some of those words, you know, now then you listen to Jesus and you're like, wow, there's, there's a lot of similarity here. There's a lot of similarity here. Leviticus, as, as, um, as, as all of you know, I mean, is, is, is your favorite book in the Bible, I mean, if you want to go to sleep, if you want to go to sleep, that is the book for you. Just start reading about qubits and measurements and how many doves you're supposed to take to the offering and, and all that sort of thing, and man, you'll be out just like a light. But what's interesting is that Leviticus really, is, really was, in, in some sense, a, a big step in, in, in the life of, um, of faith because... In that time, in ancient times, and you've heard me preach this before, in ancient times, um, people were afraid of the gods. They, they felt like the gods were angry. And you had to appease them or they would smite you. You know? And so, in Leviticus, all, of these, you know, all of these rules are laid down, but it made it so that people had a better understanding of, the rela- of how to have a relationship with God. Now for us it feels very it feels very demanding. It feels very structured and strict and, and and tight and held in. But some of this stuff is pretty amazing. I mean just think about think about this. When you reap the harvest of your land, you, will, you shall not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall not strip the vineyard bare or gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Here it is. They live in a time when that is, that's their world. That's how they, that's how they live is by, is by planting and harvesting And God says, you don't get to take it all. If it falls on the ground, you leave it there for the poor, for those who would be traveling through your land, the alien. There's this generosity there that that is really strange. I mean, today, you know, we're all about efficiency. We're trying to to eke out every little bit of productivity so we can maximize profits and do all that. We... You know, at least in theory, we don't try to leave anything behind. We don't want to have any waste. We want to eke it all out so we can get that bottom line up a little higher. But God says here, you got to leave some margin. you got to leave some margin for the poor. you got to care about the people that are around you that don't have what you have. I mean, this is, I think this is a huge step. Because for the most part we're pretty good at looking out for ourselves, looking out for our tribe. And here it is, in, in, in Leviticus, he's talking, to, he's talking to the chosen people. These are God's people, and they could go around, well, we're the chosen ones. You know, that's us. You are not us, and so we, you don't get anything. No, but the whole, I mean, throughout, throughout the Old Testament, there is this notion of you care for the other, not just your own can, even though that's big, that's big here. But you care for the other, the people who aren't like you. The people who are poor, the people who are the alien. It's really fascinating to me just because it goes against, I think, just our, our tendencies and, and, and our nature. And in the, and in the midst of that, um, God, at least through, through Moses here, continues to say, you do that because I am the Lord. Because I am the Lord. And I am perfect. I am holy. I, I am set apart from you. And I have set you apart. You are to be holy. You are to be perfect. And the way that we are perfect is when we love our neighbor. And we do that by loving God. And we do that by loving neighbor. Because they go together in like an infinity loop. Loving God is loving neighbor and loving neighbor is loving God. And that is how we are perfect. When we begin to live out the perfection, like I talked about with the kids, of of our creation. Because we forget that we were made in the image of God. We were made in the image of God. And so when we think we can't, when we think we we aren't, we're just wrong. Because in God, all these things are possible. All these things are possible. We can share our bread with the hungry and still have enough for ourselves. We can care for the alien and still be safe in God. We can turn the tables on the usual way of doing things and live into who we were called to be. Jesus in this passage from the Sermon on the Mount, as, as, one, as one commentator said, is fighting fire with water. Because what do we usually say? Fire with fire. fire, fire, with fire. Right? You push me, I'm going to shove you. You punch me, I'm going to kick you. Right? That's, that's what we usually do. But Jesus here, I mean, it's... It's almost ridiculous. In its <laughs> You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And here's the interesting thing is, is that, was actually, that was actually an upgrade. That's in the Old Testament. That was actually an upgrade. It used to be, you know, basically if you did something to me, I just came and took everything you had. You know, I just come and kill you. So an eye for an eye was actually a step up. Just think about that. Now we think, but then Jesus says, Oh, you've heard it said and eye an eye for night, but I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other. If anyone wants to see you, give your cloak. Wow. I mean, it's just so upside down and inside out from, from what we've been taught to do, what, what we are about. And as I read those things, I mean, it, it's like, how do, you, how do you even do this? How do, you live, how do you live into this perfection that God has laid out for us? Well, we do it by following Jesus. Because he's the one who lived these things. We seek to follow the one who went down the path ahead of us not instead of us. And it got him killed doing these things. I mean, his nonviolent nature got him violently executed. It's counter-cultural still to this day. Even though most of us in this room, I think, were raised with what we would call these Judeo-Christian values, it's still countercultural to this day to follow jesus to look out for the poor and the alien to care for those who who are what we would call the flawed <laughs> the least among us but we do it because we have been invited into something that has captured us in a way that we can't maybe even understand and that's why it's called faith. We've been captured in a way that draws us into a community and into a way of living that is a new way of living. And when you're trans- being transformed and changed, it is not going to be comfortable, it is not going to be easy, and it's not going to feel perfect. But that, that's the path we've been called to follow, is that perfect path. But I've been talking about perfect in a little bit of a different way here. In the scripture here, the word in the Greek is telos, telos, which can mean the end. Teleology is a, is a study of the end of things. Um, it's a theological word, the end of things. So um, how things are going to work out in the end. But really, what it, what it can also mean is like the completion of things. That something becomes what it was already made to be. Right? That it just, it comes together. Like that bean goes into the ground and it, come, and it comes up and it's a, and it's a bean plant. It, it, is, it is in its telos. It is in its completion. It is perfect. And that's the call for you and for me. To become perfect what we were created as. Children of God. So may you be challenged by these scriptures and what it means to turn the other cheek, to give to all who ask from you, to not be out there suing people, (laughs) to love your neighbor as yourself, to pray, for your enemies. May you know the perfection that you were created in, and may you become that perfection as you follow Jesus. Amen.